Welcome to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. ISFA exists to serve industry professionals involved in the fabrication of manufactured surfacing materials. With each episode, Behind the Surface inspires fabricators to take their business to the next level. Now with your host, Nancy Bush. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Behind the Surface podcast, Industry Outlook, a supply chain perspective brought to you by our friends at U.S. Silica. Today, I'm joined by my friends Matthew Bodoff and Chris Anderson. Matthew has over 20 years experience in the composites and resin industry across a broad range of market segments. For the past few years, though, Matthew has been heavily focused on the global engineered stone market. And Chris has over 20 years experience in the building products in building products, including launching quartz surfacing over 20 years ago by a large multinational company. For the past few years, Chris has been heavily focused on commercializing new products like Cristobalite. Cristobalite. Chris, I had to Google Cristobalite this morning. <laughs> as you as you know, my background in um you know, representing manufactured surfacing in court specifically for over 15 years, I truly didn't know what Cristobalite was. So I'm going to let you you address that um, and let's see how it stacks up to my Google uh, search. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't blame you, uh, Nancy, for having to Google it. It's a relatively new uh, mineral that's used in the, uh, the uh, quartz countertop industry. Uh, began in Europe, um, you know, sort of uh, providing a lot of uh, white minerals that go into there, and then uh, has been brought on into the U.S., and U.S. Silica provides uh, some of that. Uh, the way to think about it is a lot of the countertops uh, have moved towards uh, white, um, and to do that, it's sometimes difficult to use natural silica. Uh, there's variations that occur, and really to get to the whiteness that's needed to get the marble look, uh, requires a, a very white and bright mineral. And so Cristobalite um, is uh, one option for that. Uh, we basically take silica, uh, run it through a, a very detailed process, uh, kiln it to a certain temperature and, and get it up to a, a nice bright whiteness. And what helps the slab manufacturers is the consistency of that white. So it's not just having the, the brightest white, but having very consistent whiteness as well as low defects. I think Chris, for for the fabricators and their you know sales teams that are on, the important thing is is you know you and I know, and it's at the end of the day though, it is still silicon dioxide, right? It's still the same mineral as quartz, and that's why you know companies that use Cristobalite don't always market it that way. They often just say it's a quartz countertop. Yeah, absolutely. So it does fall into that quartz category. It's you know uh, consistently a, a very unique crystalline structure of that quartz to give it the whiteness. I think uh, also to, to note is, you know, there are some adjustments and good companies like yours, Matthew, that looks at how do you alter some of the resin to make that run a little bit more um, easily for, for our uh, slab manufacturers. Interesting. So uh, for many years, I talked about the chocolate chip cookie analogy, you know, grandma's cookie versus, uh, you know, a, a box store, Chips Ahoy, <laughs> they might look similar, but what's inside certainly is, um, is what makes, you know, makes the recipe, right? So, uh, Matthew, 
we've talked a lot about the pandemic and the winter storms of 2021 and how that affected the supply chain in the quartz industry. And I'm just going to let you kind of run on that and, and shed some light with Chris um, on onshoring and, and the quartz production. How, how does yeah. that fit? So I think I think for you know for maybe new listeners to the podcast or who hadn't been at some of the previous uh, ISFA uh, conversations we've had around supply chain, if we go back to February of 2021, there was the massive winter storms in the Texas and Gulf Coast states, which in essence decimated the U.S. petrochemical industry, brought it to a screeching halt, and these chemicals are what drives a variety of industries, but especially the polyester resin industry, which is what uh, quartz countertops are made out of. It's the glue that's holding all the silica sand together. Um, And that shutdown led to a multi-month sort of scrambling for raw materials. And then as the economy picked back up after the COVID pandemic, it led to this Uh, capacity uh, situation where there just wasn't enough of these raw materials able to supply companies like Enios and our competitors who make polyester resins around North America um, to where, you know, we had issues both on a volume standpoint, and then obviously it led to massive price increases. It's a pure supply and demand economic situation where uh, demand was very heavily outstripping supply, and that led to massive price increases through most of 2021 and 2022. Um, And what's interesting is how much of those price increases kind of the ISFA members see, the distributors and fabricators, because that's something that often... Chris and I don't always get to see because we're so up far up the supply chain. We know what the price is going to the slab manufacturers, and we've seen how these raw materials have increased. But but we don't know what that how it's affected the individual. You know, if you go all the way down the supply chain to the individual home buyer. Yeah, yeah, Matthew. I think um, you know along those lines. Um, you know, there's been some onshoring that that's occurred on this. So there's a, a lot more uh, domestic options for fabricators, but, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm of, of um, sort of demand for raw materials, as well as um, uh, sort of increasing of the capacity that is domestic there. Um, I think that, what, what, that domestic bump, yeah. that domestic bump was heavily also driven by the, you know, f- inbound freight from overseas, which we're all aware of, um, you know, container freights from Asia and uh, India, you know, sometimes went up five and tenfold uh, throughout 2021 and early 2022. So that led to a kind of renewed interest in what we're calling onshoring, you know, the bringing back of quartz manufacturing into the into North America. And we've seen a number of new lines open in the last two years. There's a few more coming. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see that growth. Yeah. I think, I think Nancy, um, you know, out of this, you know, what's that mean for, for a lot of the fabricators and, and ISFA tech members uh, should, should drive uh, more uh, options for the fabricators than they've had before. Um, I think the other thing that we're seeing on that is um, no longer will some of these supply chain disruptions that occur, you know, very frequently and especially during the pandemic, it'll be a smaller supply chain. So it should give a lot of the members, more options there out there uh, on this. Again, there's always a balance on the economics associated with, you know, domestic versus um, off, offshore, but there should be some positives to the fabricators uh, as these new lines come on. 
do you think that um, the you know the the location or the dominant locations of where imports are coming from is is shifting what do you what are you both seeing there well clearly you know when you go back let's say to 2017 and prior you know the majority of imports that came into north america were coming from china and then the us itc tariffs on chinese imports both the anti-dumping tariffs and the countervailing duty tariffs kind of shifted that whole landscape to where now the, the majority of imports come from India. Um, and then there's a growing number of imports from other Southeast Asian countries, uh, places like Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, the Philippines. Um, just at our most recent KBiz Expo for members who are there, you know, you walk the floor and you see a number of uh, slab manufacturers from Thailand and Philippines and Korea that you just never saw before that are jumping into this game with new production to help offset that loss of capacity from China. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, you see a lot from there. Um, there, there is uh, a down market in Europe uh, going on as we all, you know, sort of seen on this. And there may be some dynamics of uh, some of the European suppliers, also uh, traditional suppliers, looking to do that. However, um, what again, what's interesting is there's a lot of folks that have dual supply, so they are international players that are starting to onshore here in the United States. And again, it's kind of a diversification of supply from these global um, internationals is kind of what I'm what I'm seeing, which is very interesting. Overall, what do you what do you both see with pricing? I mean, obviously, raw material costs have increased quite a lot. Do you do you see that leveling off? Yeah. So I think when we talk about you know kind of pricing and raw materials, I think we should talk about domestic production in North America and stuff produced overseas in slightly differently, because the economics around the raw materials, whether it's uh, quartz sand or cristobalite or polyester resins are quite different in other regions of the world. Um, labor costs are obviously cheaper when you get into some of these countries. The, the safety requirements are not as high, so the cost of doing business in those countries is not as high. And very often the raw materials, especially on the, on the resin side that goes into making it, are significantly lower cost in some of these countries like India and Southeast Asia. So uh, when you look at a quartz slab, the polyester resin makes up somewhere between 40 to 60% of the cost of that slab. Um, and so as resin pricing around the world increased throughout 2021 and 2022, um, the cost to produce a slab absolutely went up. Now, the good news is, is the economy is slowing down a little bit globally and we're coming out of the COVID pandemic. Uh, raw material costs are coming back down. Um, which is a good thing. What everyone has to remember, though, is that these chemicals don't just go into, you know, making quartz slabs. The, the base chemicals go into, you know, basically the almost everything is a derivative of butane. And so you think about all the things that kind of these ethanol and butane products go into from plastics around your home to fuel oils, things like that. We're just a very small piece of the global pie. So we're at the mercy of what those base chemicals do from a kind of price index standpoint. Um, and it's important to know that, you know, the benefits of maybe having a nice short supply chain buying quartz slabs from a domestically produced so source, they will often come at a higher price just because the cost to produce here in the U.S. is higher. Yeah. 
I, I think you know, to build off of that, there, there is something interesting with having domestic lines, uh, not just a shorter supply chain, but you should see uh, a lot better response to um, you know, design changes and what's happening in the North American market. You think about you know, the production, if it's in Asia, how long it would take, hey, the market's shifting, the designs are shifting, this, this style of countertop uh, is more popular, how long that transfers over to Asia to get it right, to get it get it communicated, get it produced, and then brought back here. So I, I think there's a, a benefit, even on the shorter uh, economics of uh, shorter supply chain, um, there's a benefit with these local manufacturers to have the ability to sort of produce new designs or growth areas uh, a lot faster because they're domestic. That makes sense. Um, Chris, I got a question for you. I, I see that U.S. Silica is invested in a new plant. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And yeah, how it no, continue to affect. Really, uh, we, we've positioned a, a new plant in Millen, Georgia. It's our that word again, Cristobalite plant uh, down there, or, or mineral of the day, and um, it is in the heart of a lot of quartz countertop production. And so part of uh, having us sort of uh, balance the economics of producing domestically is to have something that logistically is, is really close to a lot of our customers. And so the facility is, uh, is, is amazing. I'd love to take you down there, Nancy, sometime to, to walk you through it. You'll be amazed, um, you know, very, very uh, different than a lot of the other uh, plants I've been to in the past in the sense that it's um, operated by uh, sort of a few people, you know, it's, you know, sort of six to 10 people to run this very large kiln and produce tons of material and everything from the start of the raw materials that go in to feed the system to the back end, a uh, lot of, a lot of good quality control that we have onto it. So we're very proud of um, that investment and it really shows the dedication of U.S. Silica to the quartz market by investing in this um, as well as um, using that plant for other building materials. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting for us. And it really drives back to Matthew's point of, hey, as the market grows, we need you know, companies like Enios and, and U.S. Silica to sort of invest in that growth. And Millen's one example of that. I love that. Matthew mentioned um, that you know, his resins are used in other things. I right away think of my, my glasses that I can't live without. Uh, but I'm curious, Christopher, is, is your plant um, mostly focused predominantly on the quartz market or are there other um, products that are made using uh, the Cristobalite? Yeah, the, the uh, assets that they're there have the ability to feed into other building products out there. And so one, one of the products we have down there is used for cool roofing. And so what, what I mean by cool is in the sense of there's a lot of um, flat roofs out there. So think warehouses, Amazon warehouses, others. And in order to keep those warehouses from using a lot of heat or electricity, there's uh, building codes that come in place. And so you see a lot of um, use of minerals that we produce at the Millen plant feeding into that industry. The, the good news is, you know, uh, we do have diversification, but we're looking to sort of be committed toward the quartz market and see what we can do out of the Millen plant. But there is other other uses there as well as uh, quartz countertops. I love that. Um, 
it's it's so interesting from you know again from the perspective that i have had over the years and and lack of understanding of the all the raw materials so it's just so interesting to make that connection all the way you know at the fabrication level and i guess my question for you both would be you know how can fabricators really help you in that process you know as suppliers of raw materials to make quartz slabs you know what types of feedback would you be looking for from you know our ISFA members or other fabricators so so i think there's there's two things first on the quality and technical side the, the number one thing we always love to hear back from fabricators especially is what are their challenges in the shop is it slabs cracking on them is it you know the need to be able to produce faster is it quality issues in terms of staining or uh, water stain marks things like that because those are the things that we can directly affect or improve upon with better chemistry or changes in chemistry uh, but the other thing that i think my advice to all fabricators and i hope what they get out of this is continue to talk to your suppliers about supply chain about where the slabs are coming from and what does it mean to, to the availability? Because if a slab is coming from the US, it's gonna have obviously a much shorter turnaround on the road than something that's potentially coming from overseas. Um, and that when these slabs are in transit in a container, there's potential for more things to happen, right? Because it's basically, especially in the summer months, you've got an aluminum container going across the ocean with all these slabs in there that in essence, it's a giant oven. Um, and it does affect, you know, the, at the end of the day, these are plastics, the resins are plastics and plastics don't like a lot of heat. Um, and so those are all things to consider when looking at your supply chain. Yeah, no, no, Matt, Matt, you're spot on. You're spot on. I think, uh, I think, um, again, there's everything from uh, design trends of, of where they're going. So in addition to their pain points or the hassles that that these fabricators are, fabricators are looking at. Um, in addition to that, is you know where where is it going? So you know today we supply a very bright white mineral. Uh, wh where do they think the market is going? We, we should you know think about a different different mineral uh, on this. And I think the um, the other one that's very interesting that, that gets into you know more the chemistry, but I think there's a play for for some of the minerals is how are you using it and where where do you want to go that you can't go today and so yeah. i think we've been talking about outdoors for at least 20 years and maybe we'll get there maybe the pandemic with the the new outdoor kitchen will will drive it but um nancy you 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 know best where where everybody wants to apply that but seriously what, what's holding it back is i think some technical challenges that maybe the slab manufacturers uh, can't address by themselves and they they need help from somebody like a Matthew or, or myself. And so, you know, please um, let us know, you know, beyond your pain points where you want to take quartz because it's a yeah. beautiful product. You guys do a great job from a fabrication standpoint, putting it in there. How can we help you go into different markets and what are what's stopping you from doing that? And so I think, um, you know, that kind of feedback of expanding the opportunity beyond just making it easier 
is kind of what's in, you know, both Matthew and my um, sort of goals. Yeah. I mean, I love looking at new applications for surfaces and uh, Nancy, obviously you and I had a chance at KBiz to go look at some of the new printed quartz products. And I think that's an interesting case of a new product coming to market. I would love to hear from fabricators, you know, what do they think of this product? What's the application for it? Is it targeting porcelain and sintered products for vertical applications, or do they see potential in uh, traditional countertops for it? So things like that, I think we often as, as raw material suppliers don't get that feedback loop of, you know, we get asked all the time about the creation of new products from a technical standpoint by the slab manufacturers, but we don't know how they're often perceived by the, the fabricators and the end customers. That makes total sense. What's interesting, you, you've said you've touched on a few things. Um, obviously, the the travel and you know the heat involved potentially, and you know just like people, uh, <laughs> the sunshine can make you smile. Yeah. Not so great, you know, on a quartz slab, right? So um, we we used to talk about that all the time. You know, the tolerances, and if if something had a smile, it was never a good thing, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people, you know, people really expect engineered stone to be the same everywhere, right? That was when it was first invented, it was supposed to be, you know, engineered stone was engineered stone. But almost like any product, there's varying levels of quality out there. And every now and then a manufacturer has a bad day. And so I think it's important, you know, as fabricator members to really understand your supply chain and talk to them, where are the materials coming from? What materials are going into making it? If you have the ability, go visit the factory, you know, it, it, go to India, go to uh, Southeast Asia, see these factories factories and then come back and visit a factory in the US or in Europe and see the differences. Would you agree, you know, it's interesting when you think of uh, manufactured surfaces, uh, you know, some some categories lend themselves to more consistency than others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, for instance, solid surface tends to be consistent for, you know, really long runs, but I think it varies in the amount of like natural materials that are being used, right? Anytime you, you cross that line into more natural materials, you get a little different aesthetic, but you also have that variance, right? Which is really difficult. And that's where that consistency of what Chris is doing, you know, really comes to play, right? Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, these are, these are batch produced products. Um, and every manufacturer has a different batch size. Some, some guys will produce three slabs per batch. Other people produce five to 10. Um, and how many slabs are they producing in a day or in a shift are, are different. And, you know, just like a, you know, think of it more like baking a cake, you know, and some days your cake just doesn't rise the way you were expecting it to, even though you followed that recipe a hundred percent. And that can happen in the quartz manufacturing industry as well. So true. So true. I bake cakes and I know that <laughs> firsthand. I think it depends on the uh, the humidity and the, the temperature. There's just so many things that can come into play for that science, right? So great, great analogy. I love that. Christopher, uh, any any thoughts on on how um, you could frame up this conversation around quality a little bit more? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, what I'd love to leave with the fabricators and I, you know, we just got back from, you know, the kitchen and bath show, both Matthew and yourself, Nancy, and on this and uh, quartz is everywhere. So um, quartz countertops is everywhere. 
you have a lot more, you know, as Matthew pointed out, it was, you know, a few options in North America for producing slabs and then uh, China at the time. So it sounds like, hey, it's, you know, and of course the European imports, uh, it sounds like that domestic options are, are growing. And I think with it is, as we stressed here, you will see uh, an improvement on options. You'll see a shorter supply chain because of this domestic production. And you should see an improvement on quality in general uh, as we go. They'll, and fabricators should be expecting that. So I, I'm, I'm very encouraged. And then as, as we pointed out at the beginning, there are new mineral technologies like cristobalite. It's been around for, for a few years and, and becoming more adopted in North America. And with that is the drive towards consistency. And, and Matthew, likewise, on, on your company's end, I've seen a progression on getting more consistent on your resins yep. and really dialing it in and knowing that each manufacturer slightly makes it different. So I, I think the big message to leave with uh, the fabricators is, hey, we're, we're heading into a great time. You're in a, in a great business and, and you should have more options going forward in the future. Yeah, exactly. And what great full circle partners you both are. Um, so appreciative of having you today. And, uh, you know, Matthew's going to join us uh, for our first member connect meeting. <laughs> Matthew, uh, we're going to dive deeper, you know, on this conversation of the supply chain on February 28th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, check out the isfanow.com or .org website, sorry, or shoot me a line at nancy at isfanow.org to learn more. And I would assume that if somebody shot me an email at nancy at isfanow.org that I could connect them with either of you if they had, you know, their challenge list or their um, applications uh, that they see the direction for quartz products as a fabricator. I think that'd be awesome if you all who are listening would participate in that to help both Matthew and Chris um, really increase, you know, the the bandwidth for the quartz product. I that's so exciting. And Matthew, you know how jacked up I was at Kbase about the yep. printed quartz. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't stand it. It was great. So thanks again for joining me and um, our friends at US Silica for making this podcast possible. Really appreciate you both. Yeah, thank you, Nancy, for having us and to all the, you know, members. Uh, we really appreciate kind of being welcomed into the ISFA family, even though we're not fabricators ourselves. Uh, you know, our goal is to just be provide information and be a sounding board for technical questions and industry questions. And however we can help members, you know, grow their business or improve their products. That's what we're here for. I love it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Nancy, for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more in-depth viewpoints, gain actionable insights and powerful tools to help you succeed, subscribe to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. To learn more about ISFA, visit our website at www.isfanow.org.